0: Shepherd Community Church up here in Bellingham, Washington. Don't say it too loud, Andre. Our fans might come storm the building. Yeah, yeah, or the government might be listening. Oh, yeah, they might. Oh, We're talking about politics today and government, we are. and That's uh, exciting. we have to take all the proper precautions. <laughs> but before we dive into all that stuff, any, any basic life updates from you today, Sam? You know,
1: Everything is coming down at once in terms of school. I've got lab reports due this week, term papers, and then after that, we're on the home stretch for finals. So uh,
0: that's pretty much it. The life of after a after this podcast, <laughs> I'm going home, and it's just work all over the weekend. Nice. That sounds very wonderful. Not, not really. But <laughs> no, it's funny. Anytime you talk to a student, that's what you get. Oh yeah, homework, this or that. You know, my life that on the other hand, true. that's just what it is. You know, I'm busy. I'm a student, but student doesn't define my life because I'm also a dad. I'm also a nurse. I'm also a pastoral intern here wow. at church. And, um, so I am really loving this weather. I'm ready for spring. It's so warm up here in Bellingham today. It's like, what is it? 50, 55. It's feeling springish. Yeah. It feels great. I went for a bike ride Could today. A t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I fixed my bike last week and I'm just, I'm really excited for the warm days back to riding Uh, If you guys have never been to Birch Bay, it's so beautiful. I live there, and it's a perfect place to ride a road bike. There's this beautiful bay. It's a flat road, amazing scenic views of the water in the mountains. One last very important thing before we dive in. The other thing that's really making me feel happy today is my upside-down iced Americano with one pump of chocolate. Iced, that's the key word. Upside-down iced Americano with one pump of chocolate. And I cannot take credit for discovering this drink on my own. My cousin, Diana, she used to work at Woods. Mm-hmm. She's the one who told me about it. And if you're listening, Diana, thank you so much. because job, Yeah, it's my drink of choice for afternoons, which is very rarely. I don't buy coffee in the afternoons. <laughs> Look at us, we're such millennials, drinking
1: our coffee, podcasting. That's right, living the life. <laughs> living <laughs> you, the millennial life. <laughs> I, I heard something about like um, the apartment market in Vancouver that millennials were expecting the apartments to have podcasting studios downstairs <laughs> or something. And they were up oh, there like, that should be an amenity. Like, they don't care about the swimming pool, but they want to
0: podcasting studio. Everyone, everyone has to have their stage these days. Right. And here we are, guys. In the podcasting stage. We, we're very thankful that you validate our, our sense of millennial identity, <laughs> <laughs> that you're listening to us and helping us feel like um, we have something to say. But, but we hope we do. So on I the subject of politics, there's some things to say. And it's a very important, very contentious, very um, intense topic for today. Uh, but before we dive into the craziness of politics, I want to start with this question uh, very broadly. What is politics? Because yeah. I'm coming at this as more of a theologian. My background, I've been—I've spent a lot more time reading, studying the Bible and reading theology than being active in politics or even reading about politics. You, on the yeah, other hand... Yeah, I've kind of spent a lot of time in politics.
1: My family was always pretty political in terms of if we weren't actually doing something in politics generally we were talking about it or reading about it or or something along those lines um, but just being in touch with politics was very much a part of my growing up but so how would you yeah. define it what is politics right and that's a good question because politics is not just the governance of a country a lot of people think of it as a bunch of guys in suits doing things in Congress. And doesn't really affect us, but a lot of people get really angry about it. And I don't think that's accurate. I think that, that definition doesn't penetrate deep enough. Really, politics is just the extension of individual beliefs into public space. That's how I would define it. And national politics are definitely on the macro scale. It's really big. It's, you know, something everyone sees on TV. But then there's also things like work politics. People talk about work Place politics you know my boss my department they don't like us they would cut our funding they want more funding for their project etc etc this guy this new ceo doesn't like our work those are all workplace politics and then you have community politics on a smaller micro scale even within your church or even your family there there can be politics quote-unquote within your Mm -hmm. family Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and it's just what happens when people have personal beliefs that they try to take into public space and talk to with other people. So
0: that's interesting because you would say politics is a very broad umbrella term for the extension of personal beliefs into the public space. It's not necessarily the same thing as uh, like the rules of government of a nation. Right. Right. So politics includes government, but it includes a lot of other things. Yeah? Oh,
1: absolutely. Okay. Right. So... Obviously, national politics gets more attention because it has a lot more authority than your your local community gossip or whatever. Right. But um, both of those are just equally as important. In fact, I mean, think about it this way. If we see all kinds of lies and things happening on the national scale, we see conspiracy theories and people say things about people they've never met, huh. people running for office, and they talk about all their life details as if, you know, they're, they're in on the juiciest new gossip about this person. And it's kind of absurd because they really don't know anything other than what they've heard from the media. But in the same way, if you've ever gossiped about somebody behind their back, which everyone is guilty of this at some point, mm-hmm. then you've in effect taken part in negative political dialogue, just on a much smaller scale.
0: Yeah, interesting. And I think, hmm, what, so what this starts to get at, which is I think one of the first really important um, facts that you have to kind of isolate and put to the front is that when you talk about politics, we live in a world that kind of has this false uh, distinction between public and private. If we're saying that politics is the extension of personal beliefs into the public space, then we're starting to realize that there isn't really this clean-cut uh boundary between my private life and my public life because all of public life around you in your church, at your job, at your local community event, or in Washington DC, all that public stuff is only the extension of the private lives of the people that make it.
1: Right. The things that we consider important enough to talk to with uh, talk to other people about in politics are things that are important on a personal level. Hmm. Um, So a lot of the social movements that we've seen, whether that's like, you know, animal rights, social justice, or um, perhaps, you know, a little more controversial, um, the issue of gay marriage is another huge one. Um, Those are very individual, very personal beliefs in people's lives that they're bringing into the public
0: space. Which is very interesting because a lot of those things are brought into the public space in the name of defending the private. Let me... Why, what, what, right. is, yeah, what business do you have controlling what I do in private? Well, here you are in public arguing about it, right? Exactly. So whatever your private life is, whatever is most precious to you in your most intimate personal areas of life, that is inevitably going to bleed out into the public and create yeah. politics, create culture.
1: Right. So politics are also a really good social pulse, that huh. being said, is that they kind of tell you where people are putting their energy, where what are the issues on which people are struggling and trying to understand and gain a grasp of what they believe. Mm-hmm. And if you look at politics, you'll you'll see that you'll see issues like immigration or or gay rights or um, a lot of race. Different things, race. Yeah, that people are trying to understand more about those issues. Yeah, yeah, And there's always a certain amount of conflict that happens when people
0: are learning and trying to understand. Hmm. So here's another thing I think that um, this starts to isolate, though. Your definition of politics, your broad definition. Um, if If politics is simply an extension of our private beliefs and values, then politics are always an expression of our worship or our allegiance right? right so every political system every political culture has a god sort of so to speak like there there is there is something being worshipped uh in, in a sense um, no absolutely something being loved something being cherished something being defended viciously mm-hmm. In all political uh, Yeah, it shows us life. where
1: people are putting their energy. Yeah. And hence where they're
0: putting their worship. Yeah, I think um, Jonathan Lehman, he's a pastor from Washington, D.C. He's written a really cool book. One of our recommends for today is called How the Nations Rage. He, he says this simple observation. He says, look, there is always a quote-unquote God of the system. There's always some sort of God over it. There's some sort of assumption of worship under everything right so uh, this, this right out of the right out of the gate here we're kind of debunking two common assumptions a the myth of the public and private yeah b the um the myth of the neutral public space one of the common assumptions of today is all the different religions all the different perspectives in the political world today gather at the, the table of conversation, but... It's more like a battlefield than a table. Right. Yeah. The table is made of something, of assumptions. Who? What is truth? What is the universe? What is religion, mm-hmm. right? So, like, in our in our progressive state, uh, there, in a progressive culture, there's this push, like, coexist. Bring all the religions to the table. Right, right. Have everybody talk and share in this neutral space... And we will pick out the best things of all the religions.
1: Yeah, right. Which is like it's like the coexist bumper sticker that we're also familiar with, right? Which it's generally people who don't actually belong to any of those religions who are putting those bumper stickers on their car, right? And it's it's somewhat insulting to people who do because it assumes that they that those religions and those belief systems don't make any claim about absolute truth, mm-hmm. and they all do, and because they do they can't coexist. Right. Because you can't have two differing views of alternate
0: truth that coexist. Right. So the political world of which we speak, there is no magical neutral table at which all the different ideas gather. Right. Because in our world, at least, most of the time when that conversation comes up, we all need to gather at the table or whatever. Like, we need to have conversations and dialogue. And I'm not saying that dialogue is wrong, guys. What I'm saying is... Oftentimes when this is said, it is said with the assumption that there really is no God, there really is no truth, and all the different religions are all part of a cosmic experience of truth. And so the Muslims and the atheists and the Christians and the Buddhists can all gather and all share their ideas, but none of them is really right.
1: Right, and the truth is that you can't just have all of these different things. And that's one of the reasons we're so polarized now, if we want to talk about that, is... Um, In our political system, we all try to come together in quote-unquote dialogue, but we're starting with very different foundational beliefs on what truth is, what human nature is. So it makes it impossible for us to come to the same conclusion because we're starting from
0: very different places. Right, right. So that's kind of, you're pushing us into the next question that I had kind of written down. That's politics. That's a general overview. Why is everybody so mad? Right. Why are we so divided? <laughs> why? What's wrong with our current political landscape? Why is our culture falling apart? Why is everyone so divided? Yeah.
1: I think the core reason is that as people are more lonely, they seek for a place to belong. We'll do anything for community, right? hmm And them versus us is such an easy way to do that. Mm-hmm. That's why we're so polarized. It's... It's a very comforting thing to be angry with other people. Right. Even if you have nothing else in common, if you're angry about the same things, that is um, a vindicating experience when they lament the same stuff that you do. I think Ben Sass calls it collective catharsis or something, huh. and it's so true. And the media, in its modern form, it's designed to capitalize on this. And you you have NBC and then Fox or CNN, and they all are reporting on different things from different angles. And if you switch from one station to the other, and it's almost like you're looking at completely different narratives. Not even just how they report, but on what they report. Uh They say different. They report on different things. The stories they choose are not the same.
0: But if, we're, if we were to back up, if I was to push back and say, okay, so you're saying everybody is upset, angry, and divided because, because uh, the nature of our media climate divides us, because we're lonely and we don't have things that bring us together. And so um, hate is what draws people together today. But even if we were to like, okay, wait, but how did we get here? How did we get in a culture, a political culture that is so isolated, lonely, and spread apart or divided. Like, If you think back, maybe... Yeah. I, I wasn't around in the 50s or 60s or 70s. I don't know. But like, if we, if we rewind the reel in American history, it doesn't seem like the nation was this divided... No, it, it wasn't. ...in the past. And why is it more divided today than it was back then. Yeah.
1: Well, I think one reason, going back to the idea of local
0: communities, is that
1: people were consumed with things that were important to their local community. Uh Small town, you know, that small town feeling, right? Uh, People got together at community events, baseball games, um, church. There are so many different institutions that were there that people just don't really participate in the same way today. Mm -hmm. And uh, the breakdown of sort of that structure has a lot to do with it. But the second thing I think is that we don't struggle with the same fundamental questions of human identity that we did back then. People were, for the most part, if you look at it through the 40s and 50s and even into the 60s, most people had the same beliefs on family, marriage, um, a lot of those core values. Mm, okay. But that changed, you know, especially as we went through the sexual revolution of the 70s and... Uh, and then into modern times.
0: So over time, inevitably, what we see is the outworking of ideas uh, around us. Because there are competing worldviews in a culture like ours. Because it's so much easier to communicate today. Any person can post their ideas on the internet, mm-hmm. and the whole world can see it. <clears throat> ideas are being communicated more, and so we have so many more conspiracy theories and things online. Right. So, but I think what one thing that's causing all this division is that our true foundations are being exposed. So back in the day, you would have a lot of people living the basic. They 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 lived by basic more Christian morals, right?
1: Exactly. But they
0: weren't Christians. So a lot of people would live a a, a moral way of life yeah, of yeah. building a family not sleeping with a lot of different people, taking care of your kids, paying your bills. Yeah, because it would be helping frowned upon in their community to do such things, right. even if they were not Christian themselves. Right. But as that moral framework was questioned and, and people started to stand up and say, the entire Christian way of uh, understanding right and wrong is false, right? As that idea gains traction over the 60 starting with the 60s revolution and onwards right that idea starts to have its effects family starts to fall apart community mm-hmm. starts to fall apart commitment starts to fall apart because we become more and more individual in our se- in our preferences and less things are uniting us as a society yeah right right and we see
1: that also in the political dialogue as people talk about um you know, what is this candidate going to do for me? Right. What? How am I going to benefit from this? Are they going to espouse my this one particular thing that makes me more comfortable? Or like, for example, um, you know, I'm a conservative and I know a lot of other people who are conservative, but I also know people who are conservative for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. I hear people say... Um, You know, well, the big thing for me is taxes. Is he going to lower taxes or not? Mm -hmm. And if you support a candidate solely on the issue of whether or not you're going to have more money in your pocket afterward, you're doomed for failure in the entire political dialogue. Right. Because your beliefs are not based on something more comprehensive. They have to be based on something that has to do with human nature and human flourishing and what you actually believe about the world,
0: not just... Am I going to have more money if I vote for this person? So the interesting thing is that when you think about politics, you're probably thinking about practical life things, right? Policies, immigration, neighbors, taxes, uh, picking this or that candidate, whatever, right? But when you really look at what's going on around us, you realize that the most practical political questions are directly coming out of our deepest worldview, faith assumptions about what is life, what is the good life, what is the point of everything, what is truth, and what is right and wrong. Right. Exactly,
1: and those are questions that I think a lot of people have stopped asking themselves. Yeah, and have stopped forming opinions on those types of things. If you were to ask somebody to tell you what their worldview is, they'd kind of look at you weird, like what What are you talking about? Right. And because we, we all don't assume have one. Yeah. It just means that they can't necessarily articulate it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because, well, and here's the thing, and another thing that I think feeds into this, right? So I think in the Ben Sass book, which all you guys should read, we recommended it last week, recommended it again, Ben Sass, it's called Them. Very interesting book. But he, he, he points out this tendency about the way that media today works to misinform, and it's not really the media company's fault in a sense. I mean, okay... They're At doing the, what's in their interest, which is to make money right. and to get viewers, which right. makes sense. At the end of the day, a TV program wants to make money. That's their goal. Yeah, they I mean, are not God's instruments of truth <laughs> to society. And they, they go to work. They, the guys who own those TV studios, the billionaires, whatever, they don't go to work thinking, I will speak truth to this world on the behalf of, uh, you right. know, for God's sake. Like, no, they're just like, right. how do I make money? And here's how yeah, you make how do money. engage people? You, you make money when you say stuff that draws views because then you sell more ads. Yeah. And in a media-crazy culture, what we're realizing is because human beings are broken, fallen creatures, we as humans tend to gravitate toward crazy headlines. Yeah, right? like the Ext- clickbait,
1: the fake news, the things that we hear about that everyone complains about but actually partakes in every single day.
0: Right. So, but what this does is, it makes us all feel today like we are hyper informed. Like anywhere you look, there's like breaking news. You know, like CNN has this breaking news thing. Like, yeah. Oh, breaking news means I need to look at this right now. Right. And it could it's be completely, like
1: completely. It's not urgent at all.
0: Right. Right. We're we're like pulled in all directions, and you know the Buzzfeed headline, which is you know like. Ten reasons why it is the most crazy life hack of your life to pick <laughs> this mattress, and it will change your entire life. Like insane.
1: Yeah. And uh, then you start reading right. that, and you're like, "Wow, how am I going to sleep better as a result of it?" Yeah, yeah. And, and all, all of a sudden, you you're was like questioning your.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, my entire life revolves. I've I've been sleeping on the wrong mattress all my life, and that's the cause of all my problems. Like, <laughs> so, reporting yeah. and communication has gotten so condensed and exaggerated and it what does it do to people it makes us all feel mm. like we are informed yeah but actually we're deeply misinformed right. we're distracted and we don't even yeah, know yeah. how to think
1: exactly and the other thing about media communication in general is that it's a lot easier to ream people than it is to defend ideas right you know, conservatism or liberalism, those are actually very complicated things with with a set of ideas behind them. Networks aren't talking about those ideas. They're saying things that make people who already have those ideas think one way or another. Right. Their goal is to invoke rage in the people who are already of a certain political persuasion. Right? Right. It's complicated to defend ideas. That That's too much work. They right. would rather attack the people who their viewers disagree with
0: yeah so exactly and I think here's another thing that this starts to hit at kind of uh the soul of society like deep down we all kind of know this is going on right we're all kind of tired of Facebook ads and just the extreme headlines of everything and yeah, yeah your crazy we're, we're, uncle
1: who posts five
0: political things a day. Yeah, or whatever. yeah, yeah. The Antichrist is this and the Antichrist is that. <laughs> One and step and this away is...
1: from Sharia law yeah, in like, Arkansas or whatever. Yeah,
0: yeah. And we're so tired of it. And deep down, I think that what this is doing to us as a society is it's making us question even more whether truth is possible and knowable. You know? Like mm-hmm. when, when you live your daily existence like overwhelmed by media and syn- thinking like man how do i even how do i even know the truth it makes you also think man well if i can't know the truth about what happened in washington dc this week how do yeah. i how can i ever know the truth about what my soul is intended for and who god is and how right. do i gain eternal life and it makes me sympathize with people who
1: actually have taken up postmodernism as kind of <laughs> a belief and understand where they're coming from. Right. you know. There's so much out there and all these alternate stories. And sometimes we just don't know what's, what's true. Right. And it makes perfect sense for people to be confused.
0: Yeah, yeah. So again, we are not even getting to the juicy stuff like Donald Trump or social justice <laughs> right. or Hillary Clinton, right? At this point, what's going on in our crazy political world, you have to understand there's two huge things that we're hitting on, I feel like, here. We're hitting at this reality that our worldviews are being exposed to the core. So why is this? Why is society so divided? Because the foundation of truth is being exposed. Either mm-hmm. there is a God who speaks truth, or there is not. Uh, either we evolved from bacteria and we get to determine our own destiny, or we do not, and therefore we can. You know, a baby is life or not. Or I can change myself into a woman or a unicorn Mm -hmm. or whatever or not. So that all, all those questions depend on your view of truth, you know. And uh, second of all, in a media crazed culture, uh, dumb people easily become manipulated. And we are all in a sense... Dumb people. Yeah, we're all dumb about something. Right, and we all have our weaknesses as human beings. We can scroll through headlines mindlessly. um, And it's so easy to live a life just captive to the world of, Mm -hmm. of, of misinformation. Right. And that starts to paint the picture of why we live in such a crazy, divided, schizophrenic world. Uh, like we do today. So, yeah. I mean, as we're kind of painting this terrible and bleak picture, um, how do we maintain hope? Right. What What makes you, like, as a Christian, you look at this world. How do you process it? And how do you maintain optimism, um, yeah. peace? Well, I mean, you look at the media, you look at all
1: these things, it's easy to lose hope. But fundamentally, you have to, Realize that the media is only telling a story about presuppositions that people already have. So that means to make sense of anything that you're hearing, that any of us are hearing, you have to know what you believe about core issues of human identity right. and about the world. Right. You, you have to, That's how you figure out where you actually stand politically. So if you focus on pursuing truth in your ideas about human existence, that is your worldview... I think that's a good way to look at worldview. Yeah, um, You you start asking questions that have to be answered. Like, what do you believe about human life? Like, when does human life begin? Are families, or are they going to look out for other people first? Mm-hmm. Just core questions like that. Or what's the role of the state? How should it protect its people? How is that different from, you know, the role of the individual? And where does the church play into those things? So
0: what I'm hearing you say here is... um one of the most important things that we can do is take on the slow tedious process of really working through our beliefs and asking hard questions personally ourselves right yes. rather than spending all our time out there in in the in the webosphere of scrolling and clicking and sharing and raging right like ask hard questions get into the habit of doing that yourself
1: right so, and, and, like, and, a big thing is read books, not articles. Right. Like, that that's a huge thing because books usually have, it's more tried and true knowledge. It's, it's stuff that's more timeless. Articles are often just what's happening right now. I think
0: that this also feeds into our, like, uh, impatience today. Like, I think maybe a lot of people turned on this episode thinking we're going to hear some crazy juicy stuff about Trump, <laughs> social justice, transgender debate. Mm -hmm. Okay, but here, guys, here's one of the most important points of this whole episode, I think, and one of the most important things we've concluded just thinking about politics today. There is no shortcut Mm -hmm. to wisdom and good, informed, healthy perspective. Yeah. And one of the things that's fundamentally wrong with our entire political system today is that we think that you can just jump up there on the pedestal and... Rage about your perspectives, and that's what's wrong. There's too many people raging and saying stuff that they have no idea. Yeah, yeah. And we're we're unlearning how to be thoughtful, reflective, humble people. So I think connected to that though is also um, relating to people and investing your life into the slow, challenging process of cultivating a thick uh, culture of local life. Relationships with friends, right? True, friends, true. Neighbors, your church, neighbors, church, um, the co-op, whatever. Like the store where, like, living a life where we are not always flying through everywhere with headphones on, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Pausing, uh, looking around, you know right offering a hand to your neighbor who's
1: doing yard work or needs you know he's struggling with something and just going out and introducing yourself or i mean there's there's no limit to the number of ways that you can do this but it just takes slowing down looking up from your phone or away from your TV and out into the world around you
0: yeah and i think this gives us hope because when we when we detach from the screen a little bit and and connect ourselves to real paper real pencil Real books, real people—you um, start to see that there's still a lot of really good things happening all around us, and that we have given been given opportunity to do a lot of good in a real way. And I think that connects to how the other way. How do I maintain hope? Um, no matter what's going on in the world around me, Jesus is still in charge, and He's given me the unique opportunity to be named as a, a citizen of Christ's kingdom. And to be involved in the world around me, you know, so th- that's that's profoundly hope giving and grounding and humbling, you know. I think one of the questions that came in was, how do we live a a, a politically engaged life that is engaged as as a citizen yeah. of God's kingdom? What does it look
1: like for Christians to be politically active and kingdom minded? I think is it's a really good ed- about how it was, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So politically active and kingdom-minded.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing, of course, is to reason through those core human issues. Like, that's that's the foundation to, I think, any, any involvement. Before you get involved, you have to know what you believe on core human issues, like we were talking about. But the second thing is to recognize what your strengths are and what you most care about. Not everybody is just designed to be an activist, quote-unquote. Like, that's not everyone's thing to hold a sign outside of an abortion clinic or go to the Supreme court or that, that's not everyone's personality and it's not where everyone's efforts are best spent necessarily. Hmm. That's some people. But I, I also think that we have to get away from the idea that the church can't have an opinion on political issues. Right. We hear that in a lot of churches Um, especially in our corner of the Northwest where that's kind of taboo for churches right? because they're afraid of the cultural backlash that'll happen. But there's no such thing as a political issue. I'll say that again. There's no such thing as a political issue because every political issue is ultimately a social issue that has been extended into public space, into public dialogue. And if the church doesn't have a position on social issues, the, the issue of human life, race, et cetera, et cetera—all those very important things that we're dialoguing about—it can't have an impact,
0: right? If your it, your theology becomes like pie in the sky, you know, imaginary stuff, right? Like, it's like
1: Jesus is just here to make us feel good and bring us all together, right? And it's, it's there's more to it than that. Jesus wants us to understand our world and our place in it
0: and our theology. And he actually cares about his world. It's actually his world. So um, I was reading today in the book of Acts and Paul's missionary journey, I think it's his second missionary journey. He gets accused in one of the cities, the Greek cities of these Jews are troublemakers and they are here telling us of a different king that we're supposed (laughs) to submit to. So, and I thought, oh, that's funny. You know, we always read that text and say, oh, they misunderstood Paul's message. Um, in a sense, they did. In a sense, they didn't. Paul was preaching another king, and he wasn't afraid to use the word king. Right. You know what I'm saying? Knowing that it's going to rub people the wrong way in the Roman Empire where people worshipped Caesar. hmm So... Jesus either owns the world or he doesn't. If we go back to the first thing we said earlier, that the political landscape is not neutral. It's a battlefield of the gods. It's, it's about worship at the end of the day. And so, Je- does Jesus care about this world? Yes. Does he have something to say about it? Yes. And actually, if Jesus isn't in charge, all of your arguments just died. Because why should they listen to you? Right. But if he is, then it creates an urgency. The church needs to have flesh and bones. The church needs to walk into the world. But again, here you're entering a really challenging, uh, complicated sphere. Because it's like, oh shoot, you know, Christians and political engagement. Like mm-hmm. Jesus in politics. Oh no. Separation of church and state. That's right. another Because in the past we've seen a lot of... Abuse where Christians became, oh, this is, this is the Jesus voter card. So Jesus would vote for this guy and this policy only. Yeah. And, and everybody vote for this man because that's what Jesus would do.
1: Yeah. Or even further back in history, which the Roman Catholic Church virtually controlled the government. Right. It had its own armies. Right. right. Or the Church of England, for example, being the only sanctioned religion that a, the people could follow.
0: Right. So there are no simple answers to this. But the answer is not simply withdraw. Bury your head in the sand. Right. No, because Jesus came into this world and he announced the coming of his kingdom here. Mm-hmm. And his kingdom extends in little ways through our life. And helping your neighbor is political. Uh, evangelizing to somebody on the street is political. Yeah. Calling your senators and representatives about a certain bill and saying that's that you true. don't support that bill which by the way in Washington state there's there are a plenty, plenty of those to go around yeah, yeah yeah the comprehensive sexual education bill that's on i think this week everybody should call by the way yeah um so there are no simple answers here but this goes back and- to what we're saying you have to you have to embrace the sim- the daily challenge of discipleship of building healthy deep perspectives not being afraid to ask tough questions and reading good books mm-hmm.
1: Right. And another thing that I hear the church often say is God has everything under control. We don't need to be involved in politics because, you know, it'll all work out for the, you know, for his good, for his purpose. And while that's true on a macro scale, usually the same people saying that go to work on a daily basis. Right. They provide for their families. They live a life in this world doing worldly things because they're actually commanded to do so, right. to be responsible. So why is it that we sort of abdicate our responsibility when it comes to our government and our, our larger macro-scale politics?
0: Right. So obviously, guys, we've just kind of opened a can of worms. We're going to circle back and do a bonus episode mm-hmm. on this subject next week yeah we have um, more questions to
1: address as we well we do we have we some will awesome talk questions about if you
0: didn't hear your question addressed today but leaving you off with like a hopeful outlook and a practical outlook i think that what we want to do is challenge you to are you afraid to ask tough questions do you find yourself um having a hard time believing that truth is possible or knowable in our crazy media driven world you know um do you tend to ask questions and then run away because it's too complicated or are you cultivating a lifestyle of rolling up your sleeves asking real questions taking the slow process of learning reading good books asking questions with people you don't agree with uh reaching out and building relationships living in a real community of real people not just social media and instagram um are those things part of your daily habits you know and do you see Jesus and his kingdom as being supreme and over the kingdom of America or the kingdom of whatever, you know, all, any world power that we see at the front today? Exactly. So, some recommends for this week. First of all, go to Woods Coffee and get yourself a upside down iced americano. Iced americano with a bunch of pump chocolate. chocolate. Yeah, that'll mm-hmm. make things a little better. And maybe buy it for a friend and have a good, real conversation about challenging issues that we face today in the news and in the world and how they relate to the gospel. A couple of good
1: books to recommend. Yeah, so we have Them, Why We Hate Each Other and How to Heal by Ben Sass. We mentioned it before, but you just finished it. I'm about to finish it. It's a fantastic book. book. If you want more background on the material that we talked about today, it's a great read. I think you'll leave feeling more informed about our government after reading it. Yeah. The other
0: one was uh, Jonathan Lehman called uh, a book called uh, "Why the" Na- or "How the Nations Rage," and we'll put all these links in the uh, in the show notes there. Also, Al Moller is one of our guys that we uh, that I, you know I follow loosely. Yeah. Uh, Al Moeller has the briefing. It's a podcast of news and events. Some of you guys. I still, you know, follow, like, connect yourself to trusted perspectives. And what I do is I connect to multiple perspectives that I trust, Mm -hmm. not just one. um, And that helps you kind of sort out a more balanced view of what's going on. That's just getting you started this week. And thank you so much for hanging in there with us. Next week, we'll come back with some more stuff on this because there's some more important subjects. uh, And we'll also talk
1: about Trump next week.
0: Oh, yes. That's going to be interesting. So... Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. If this was helpful, interesting, exciting, uh, illuminating, share it with a friend, share it on your social media, whatever, Um, you guys can check out more stuff from Well Said at well-said.org. There's blog posts, more podcast episodes, things like that. Um, The other thing is if you're benefiting from this show, check out the support tab on the website. There's different ways that we can work together more closely. Um, If you're benefiting from the show, you can help us cover some of the expenses with the show, but also there's different ways that we give back and give you more content when you do that. So thank you guys so much for listening and we'll talk to you in a week.